Good day, everyone. Welcome to Learning Bible Truth. I am your host and teacher, Dr. Kamla D., here to take you on a tour of the Bible. Yes, we read entire books here, not just one scripture of the Bible, full chapters. And of course, I share commentary with you while we read line upon line and precept upon precept of every word. Hey, since you won't take the time to study and show yourself approved before God, I am bringing the scriptures to you. So get your Bibles, take out pen and paper, invite family and friends, take notes, and let's grow in faith, walk in God's grace by learning Bible truth. Happy New Year, Saints. I want to take this time out to thank God for allowing us to see another year and allowing us to continue learning his living word, which is only recorded in the Holy Bible. Now, for those who lost loved ones through 2020, it is unfortunate. However, we have to forget those things in the past and look forward to our future. Now, I am on vacation this weekend from teaching, but learning the will of God and learning his word is not on vacation. I am going to play for you part one of a three-part series entitled, Is Everything Ordained of God? The answer to that question is, no, it's not. Now, this series will be taught by my brother in Christ, Pastor Frederick K. Price Jr., the pastor and teacher of Crenshaw Christian Center, located in Los Angeles, California. Now, many Christians blame God for unfortunate circumstances that occur in their lives, such as sickness, poverty, natural disasters, and even death itself. Now, although God is all-knowing, he doesn't ordain everything that has happened in your life. The meaning of ordain is to establish or order by appointment, decree, or law. Everything that is foreknown is not ordained. The Bible says in Romans 8.29, For whom he foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. That son is the Lord Jesus Christ. God knows who will reject Christ, but it doesn't mean that it is his will. Now, in this three-part series, Pastor Price answers the question, is everything ordained of God? He also teaches on the following, the difference between foreknowledge and predestination. Whether or not sickness is ordained by God. The difference between giving thanks for everything and giving thanks in everything. And last but not least, what has God ordained? I ask that you listen with an open mind so that you can understand. And by God, an open heart so that you can receive the truth. So I want you to sit back, relax, get your pen and paper so that you can follow Pastor Price through scripture 
invite family and friends or play this tape for them later because everyone needs to know the truth. And that truth is not everything is ordained of God, but everything is foreknown of God. So with that said, this is episode one entitled, Is Everything Ordained of God? All right. The world we live in is going to hell. And uh, it's just a lot of stuff going on. But not only are things going on in the general sense, things are going on uh, in a negative, not so comfortable manner regarding God's children. And I believe that there are some that have questions. Why me? Why now? Why at this particular time? What is the purpose of this? What am I supposed to get out of this if I'm supposed to get anything out of this? Once you go to Psalm chapter 8. And let's look at something here. Psalm 8, the 8th Psalm. We're going to start with the first verse. When you have it, say, I have it. All right, and it reads, O Lord, our Lord. How excellent is your name in all the earth. David has just spoken to and honored both the Father and the Son in this statement. O Lord, our Lord. O Lord, the Father, our Lord, the Son. See this often, David shows us a pattern in another psalm he says, the Lord said to my Lord. He says, the Father said to the Son. So here in this first verse he says, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth who have set your glory above the heavens. Only God can distinguish his glory from himself and set it above his residence. Watch this now. Out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants, you have ordained, underline, or circle, or highlight that word ordained. He says you have ordained strength because of your enemies that you may silence the enemy and the avenger. Third verse. He says, when I consider your heavens, when I consider the work of your fingers, when I consider the moon, when I consider the stars which you have ordained. Second time we see this word ordained. We see it here in the first verse. I mean, in the second verse, you have ordained strength. 
And we see it here in this third verse. The moon and the stars which you have ordained. Ordained is defined as this. To establish or order by appointment, decree, or law. He says, the sun and the moon and the stars which you have what? Ordained. And when something is ordained, it is established. When something is ordained, it is ordered. When something is ordained, it is appointed by decree, by law. To ordain is to establish or order by appointment, decree, or law. What we want to talk about this morning is a particular question that we're going to ask and find out the answer to. Is everything ordained of God? Is everything ordained of God? Remember now what ordained means. Is everything established by God? Is everything ordered by God? Is everything appointed by God? Is everything ordained by God? Now, in order to establish that which God has ordained, we have to bring another word into this discussion because when we bring this other word into this discussion, we are going to able or we are going to be able to determine that which God has ordained and that which is, the word I'm about to give you, that which is foreknown. We are going to determine that which God has ordained established and appointed and we will also find out that which is simply foreknown by him look at Ephesians chapter 1 are you with me yes. Ephesians chapter 1 you can look at the first verse when you have it say I have it all right, we saw in Psalm, the A Psalm, that strength was ordained by God, established by God. We saw that the moon and the stars were ordained by God. They were appointed by God. Now we want to look at that which is foreknown. Ephesians 1, first verse. It reads, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, that's the only way you could be an apostle, is by the will of God. I cannot nominate myself. I cannot ordain myself, establish myself, appoint myself to the office of apostle. It must be what? The will of God. And that's any office mentioned in Ephesians 4.11. Any office mentioned in Ephesians 4.11, if you are to be one of those it must be the will of God, the Lord Jesus must call you. 
to one of those. So Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus, today would be modern-day Turkey, and faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has what? Blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Watch this now. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Watch this now. Verse 5. Having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will. Another word here for predestined would be ordained, appointed. Having, verse 5, having predestined us to adoption, having ordained us for adoption, having established us in adoption, having appointed us to adoption, it says what? As sons by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will. Now some would take these verses and attempt to make a case that God has already in advance predetermined who will be his sons and who will not. But that's not what this ordination or predestination is about. Let's go over to Romans 8 and see what that's about. Look at Romans 8th chapter. Find the 29th verse. When you have it, say, I have it. Watch this now. Let's go over this again briefly. In the 8th Psalm, we saw that God ordained strength. He established it. He appointed it. We saw what? That the moon and the stars were ordained of him, right? Established by him, appointed by him. Now we see over here in Ephesians 1 that... that there are those that have been predestined, ordained, or established to be sons. Now, is that area of scripture saying that he has predetermined who will and who won't? If that's the case, free will doesn't exist. Or it is an illusion. So what is the predestination in Ephesians 1 about? Well, remember now, we also have to bring in what? Foreknowledge. Look here in verse 29, Romans 8, 29. Watch this. For whom he what? Foreknew, he also what? Predestined. We can read it like this. For whom he foreknew, he also ordained. Which tells me what? That even though something may be foreknown, it may not be ordained. Otherwise, if these terms are synonymous, there's no need to mention them both in the same sentence. And so here's what we want to establish now. Watch this. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined. Now we know what the predestination is about. He's predestined us to be conformed to the image of his son. He has predetermined and ordained what we will look like once we're in Christ. Conformed to the image of his son that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. The firstborn among many brethren that who might be the firstborn among many brethren that Jesus might be the firstborn among many brethren this is why it's really good to sift through the scriptures 
and be led of the Spirit as you're studying them. What this verse shows me is a function of Jesus. What function of Jesus does it show me? It shows me his function in the kingdom of God as opposed to the church of God. In the church of God, Jesus is the great shepherd. Or what? The great pastor. In the confines of the church of God, I look to him as pastor. But in the confines of the kingdom of God, I look to him as elder brother. His function in the church is pastor. His function in the kingdom is elder brother. That's why it says what? The firstborn among many what? Brethren. So now I know what the predestination is regarding my salvation. It's not that he has determined who will and who won't. He has determined and established that those who will, this is how you'll look once you're in. You guys with me? So now let's get in, let's get a definition of foreknow or foreknowledge. We already have established that ordination or to ordain something is to establish or order or appoint by law or by the word of God. But here's what foreknowledge is. Foreknowledge is defined as having previous knowledge of something that is to come. Previous knowledge of something that is to come. How would we get this previous knowledge? By revelation. So, that which is ordained is established, but that which is foreknown is information beforehand by revelation, by no other means. Think about it. You can't know what is to come because you're not there where it is to come. So the only way to know what is to come, even though you're not there yet, would have to be by revelation. It would have to be by God. So foreknowledge about a future thing is a look into the mind of God about a future thing. Why? Because God knows all things. But here's what we need to make a difference between that which is foreknown and that which is ordained. Everything that has ever happened on this earth in the heavenly places was foreknown of God. Meaning it didn't catch him off guard. He wasn't surprised. He knew it was going to happen. But just because something is foreknown, it does not mean it was ordained. Here's what you need to know about that which is ordained and that which is established. Ain't ne'er nutter one person can take it away from you. Whatever he has appointed you to, no man can take that from you. The only one that can take that from you is God and he won't do it because the gifts and callings of God are two things, irrevocable and without repentance. So is everything ordained of God? Is everything that's happening to me and in my life ordained of God? And everything that's happening across this earth ordained of God? Absolutely not. But it was foreknown. See, that's the thing about Old Testament prophets. What did Old Testament prophets speak about? Things that would happen in the New Testament. 
and things that would happen in the end time book revelation Old Testament prophets had the privilege and the honor of looking into the mind of God he allowed it of looking into the mind of God about a future thing but when those prophets would look into the mind of God about a future thing everything they looked at wasn't ordained but it was foreknown Jeremiah and Zechariah, I believe, both speak of the betrayal by Judas. Zechariah and Jeremiah both were born and come before the man Judas, yet they were able to speak about a future event. Now, the Bible tells us in John 13 that Satan put it into the heart of Judas to betray Jesus. So it tells me that it wasn't God's idea for Jesus to be, to be betrayed. It was the devil's idea to, be, to betray Judas. But Jeremiah was able to look into the mind of God about that future event. Why? Because God knows everything. That's right. Amen. So you can't fault God for knowing everything. It's a part of being God. You, if you're God, which you're not and I'm not, there is only one. So because he's God, by nature, by makeup, by his spiritual, heavenly, indescribable DNA, he knows all things. Omniscience is a part of being God. Knowing all things. Just because one knows all things, it doesn't mean he's ordained all things. Now, what we need to know, what we need to find out, is what's God and what's not. What's God and what's not? Because you might be in a situation right now in your personal life, and you're saying, God, you, you need to reveal something to me, because this is uncomfortable. I don't like this. So let's go to some popular scriptures. Especially one that I always hear Christians quote. And for the most part, they're on the money, but I believe there's a little bit of information that could be added to what you already know that will give you complete illumination regarding this particular verse. Since you're in Romans already, let's just back up one verse. What does it say? And we know. What is it that we know, church? We know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Let's read this one more time just to make sure we're on the same page. And we know that all things work together. Now, what it sounds like to me, it sounds like all things are all things. That's what it sounds like. So all things are what? They're working together for good. Not for the good of just anyone, but for good to those who love God. And then we can also read, and we know that all things work together for good to those who are called to his purpose. So all things work together to good for those who love him, and all things work together to good for those who are called according to his purpose. But what does it mean when it says that all things work together for good? 
because all things aren't good, I'm sorry to say. Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, I submit to you that all things are just not good. Some things are bad. So God, Father, what are you telling us here when you say that all things work together for the good? Well, I spent some time on this verse and I decided that what I would do is I would pull up a few translations on this particular verse. So the first one that we want to look at would be the Amplified. Is it okay if I read to you this verse in the, Ampli in the Amplified Bible? All right. Watch this now. Of course, that would happen. Stayed up all night to make sure that this thing was already set. And it has the audacity. Technology has the audacity to try to make me look unprepared on nationwide TV in front of my congregation. I, now I have it, though. All right, now watch this. We read in the New King James Version that what? That all things work together to good to those who love him and all things work together to good to those who are called according to his purpose. Amplify reads like this. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Should I read it again? Yes. From the Amplified? Yes. One more time from the new. All things, what? Work together. To good or for good. To who? Those who love them. Anyone love them? Okay. So that means all things are working together for your good. Then it also says all things work together to those who are called according to his purpose. Now watch this. Whether you know it or not, you're called according to his purpose. Maybe you at the current moment don't know what his purpose for your life is right now. However, you are still called. All right. Amplify it. One more time. We are assured and know that God being a a partner in their labor in their labor, all things work together. I don't think I read this a moment ago. But this is the amplified one. I know what happened. I have two different Bible apps on this phone. And I set up the right app last night. Anyway. So here it is. Watch this. Here's the Amplified. We are assured and know that God being a partner in their labor, all things work together and are fitting into a plan for good to and for those who love God and are called according to his design and purpose. I read the Amplified. I said, you know what? I like that. But I want to read something else. So I found the 
uh, New American Standard Version. And uh, it reads like this. Oh, 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 I don't know if I should read it. And, and here's why I say it, because so many Christians quote the verse and I know their heart is right. But, you know, you can quote a verse for the wrong thing or at the wrong time. So I asked myself, God, come on, man, you got to work with me now. You, you have to share something with me. Because actually, when you look in the, and this is not the first time God has done this. When you look at where the verse is placed, it comes right after 26 and 27, which is about the Holy Spirit making intercession for us. So you're telling us that the Holy Spirit makes intercession for us, and then you jump into this all things work together. As a homework, homework assignment, I want you guys to do two things. I want you to read 1 Corinthians 12, skip 13, and read 14. Read 1 Corinthians 12, the 12th chapter of 1 Corinthians, skip the 13th chapter, and read the 14th chapter, and watch how it flows. It flows wonderfully. Like it makes all the sense in the world, but then God smashes and places the 13th chapter right there in the middle. Because it's the foundation for 12 and 14. But you honestly could read it. It flows right from 12 right to 14. Another place is, is a very popular scripture we all know. 2 Corinthians 5, 7, which says, For we walk by faith, not by sight. Now, if you recall the context of where that verse is placed, it's placed in, in between verse 6 and verse 8 of the fifth chapter of 2 Corinthians, which is about being absent from the body and being present with the Lord. It's like, why'd you put this verse here? Now, what we do is we extract the verse out of its context and we apply it to our lives generally, which is okay to do because the Bible also says in Romans 1:17 that the just shall what? Shall live by faith. And when Paul said, for we, he was talking about the just. So it applies. I, I can take it out, but I believe that there's a meaning to that verse in that context that we have yet to see. Because that's what, that's what God's word does. It constantly gives birth to new revelations and, and new illuminations and new facets of knowledge. That's what his word does. So in that same manner now, we have this Romans 8.28 here placed right after intercession. So why are you telling me all things work together for my good? Oh, New American Standard Bible. Listen carefully. Because what we want to know is what? Is everything ordained of God? See, here's what we already know. Everything is foreknown by God. Nothing caught him off guard. Nothing surprised him. There, were, there was no oops when it came to God. But what we want to know is in everything that was foreknown by him, which and what is ordained of him. Romans 8, 28, New American Standard Bible. This, oh, I shouldn't read it, should I? Okay, listen, listen. Watch this. And it says, to him. I don't know if I should read it. I don't think you guys are. I'm, I'm serious. This is. Watch this. It says, and we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. 
Oh, you might say, well, Pastor, why are you so excited about that verse? I'm going to share it with you right now. <laughs> Listen to what the verse says. That's why it's always good to have multiple translations when you're studying the word. Because there's that one translation that's going to give the true authentic meaning and then all the other translations make sense. It says, and we know that God causes all things to work together. Now the, now the new king said what? Who's still in the new king? It says what? It says we know that all things work together. But look what this particular translation says. And we know that God causes all things to work together. So here's what I want you to see. Notice that it doesn't say God causes all things. This, see, this is what you need to chew on. It doesn't say that God causes all things. It says he causes all things to work together for good. God is not causing all things. But he is causing all things to work together for our good. For example, the lack that you've been experiencing, it wasn't caused by him. But the lack that you are experiencing, he will cause to work together for your good. Now you may say, well how, Pastor? How is God going to cause the lack to work together for my good? Well, here's how he's going to do it. What are you going to do when you see the lack? What are you going to do when you experience the lack? It's going to cause you to seek that which is opposite of lack, which is provision. And for believers, you cannot seek provision without seeking God. That's right. Therefore, that lack that he didn't cause, he will cause that lack to cause you to seek him to get rid of or eliminate the lack. He's not causing all things, but he is causing all things to work together for your good. Because if he's causing all things, you might say, I can think of three tragedies off the top of my head. I don't see what good there was in and of the tragedy itself. But we all know that out of these tragedies, some good things happen. God didn't cause the tragedy, but since the tragedy happened, he will cause the tragedy to work together for someone's good. You guys with me still? Oh, okay. Let's read the New Century version. Can we read the New Century version? Watch this. It says, we know that in everything, God works for the good of those who love him. Did you catch that? See, in everything, he's working for the good of those who love him. In everything, he's working on your behalf. What does it say again? We know that in everything God works for the good of those who love him. Why? They are the people he called because that was his plan. Okay. Let's read today's new international version. Not the NIV, but the TNIV. Today's new international version. It reads like this. And we know that in all things... God works for the good of those who love him. Sounds familiar. Like a translation we just read. Who have been called according to his purpose. Let's look at two more. I'm saving the best one for last. Here's the New Living Translation. 
It says, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good. Not that God causes everything. But he causes everything to what? Work for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. But here's the version that I like. Oh, yeah, I like this one right here. The contemporary English version of the Bible. Oh, yeah, I like this right here. Yeah, watch this. You watching? You listening? We know that God is always at work for the good of everyone who loves him. Oh, see, that, that it kind of explodes off the page. Now you really know what that whole all things are working together for the good. What it really is, is that God is always at work for the good of those he loves. When is he at work for the good of those he loves? In everything. You guys with me still? So, wow, look at that. God is not causing everything, but once... A something happens, he will cause it to work together for my good. Oh yeah, that's rich. Because watch this, ladies and gentlemen, I submit to you that everything is not ordained of God. God has not appointed everything. But because he's God, he already knew in advance that it was going to happen. And watch this. God allows it to happen because he allows everything to happen. Watch this. You want to sift through everything that he allows to happen and find out what he intended to happen. Oh, see, watch this. God allowed you to commit adultery. Why? Because he allows you and you, and you, and you, and you to exercise your free will. Watch this. What he allowed to happen was not ordained of him, but he already knew in advance the mistake you were going to make. But God did ordain, not only did he allow, but he did ordain for a man and a woman to, to, to function in a ceremony, a covenant ceremony, come together as one flesh, and in that union give birth to a child. God allowed it and ordained it. You guys still with me? Yeah. Getting anything out of it? Yeah. Okay, watch this. Let's go to Ephesians 5.20. There are three verses that we have to look at these verses so we can find out what's God and what's not. I need to know and you need to know what's God and what's not. I said Ephesians, right? Yes. I said five, right? I told you the verse, right? All right. Excellent. Ephesians 5.20, when you have it, say I have it. Watch this now. We're going to read the verse, and then we're going to play it back, and let's just see what it says on the surface. The verse standing alone. We want to see what the verse standing alone says. Here it is, Ephesians 5.20, giving thanks always for all things. Giving thanks always for all things. Who am I giving the thanks to? To God, the Father, 
and I'm going to give the thanks for all things to God the Father in the name of his son. I don't like that verse. I don't like that. No, I don't like that. That doesn't sound right to me. I mean, if this is the case, then it is what it is. And there's nothing you or myself can do about it. But is this what the verse is saying? Once again, the verse standing alone. And people will take this verse. Because I don't know if you believers knew this, but all believers don't believe. No, let me say it like this. All believers don't have the same belief. Yeah, yeah, all believers don't believe the same thing. And so whatever happens, they're giving thanks to God for whatever happens. See, if I take this verse, right, extract it from chapter 5, commit it to memory, take it for what it is at face value, then what am I saying? I'm saying that everything that happens, everything that happens, what am I supposed to do? Give thanks to God for that thing that happened. If that's what this is saying, then I'm going to be disobedient. Yeah. I'm talking about willing disobedience. Straight rebellion. If that's what this verse is saying. Because I'm not thanking God for uh, the homosexual agenda. I'm not doing that. Hope I don't get in trouble for saying that. I'm not thanking God for that. No, I'm not doing that. I'm not thanking God for... Uh, Islamic terrorists strapping bombs to their chests, going into a building, blowing up themselves and civilians. I'm not thanking God for that. You want to thank God for that? You go right ahead and thank God for that. I'm not thanking God for that. So once again, God got me. I said, God, what is this? Well, let's back up a few verses. Let's go to verse 15. Let's see what verse 15 says. It says what? It says, see then that you... Walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. So he's telling us to walk as the wise or what? Walk in wisdom, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is and do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation. I didn't say it. God said it. God said, do not be drunk with wine. So don't even don't even. Don't even write a letter or send an email. I was going to add something to that, but I'm not even going to take it any further. The verse says what it says. Does the verse not say what the verse says? And do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Watch this. Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Now it says, giving thanks always for all things to God, the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of God. Now, as I've read these verses, I mean, I can still be a little baffled. I'm still wondering, God, why you're telling me to give thanks for all things? Or, God, are you telling me to give thanks for all things? So what did I do? I did the same thing I did with Romans 8, 28. I looked at six, seven, eight different translations, and I came up with nothing. I said, God, come on now. Work with your child. Work with your son, huh? You hooked me up on Romans 8, 28. Revelation exploded off the page. I said, you're not helping me with this verse. You got you to point me somewhere. And he, then he pointed me to the 17th verse. 
And now it makes sense what I'm giving thanks for when it says all things. Because watch this. Before I give thanks to God for all things in the name of his son, I first must do what? Verse 17 says, therefore, do not be unwise, but understand something. Before you can thank God for all things, you need to first what? Understand what the will of the Lord is. So what am I thanking God for? Things based on his will. And when I understand what the will of God is, then, I, then, then, it, then it's clear. Sorry, don't mean to shoot darts, but the homosexual agenda is not the will of God. And um, Islamic terrorists strapping bombs to themselves and killing innocent people, that is not the will of God. So I don't have to give thanks for those things. I'm not giving thanks. Now watch this though, but I can't fall back on Romans 8.28 that in those things, something will be worked together for someone's good. And that working together will be deliverance. It will be redemption. You guys have been looking at me. Something on me? Okay. Just want to make sure. All right. It's a different kind of look, though. It's a different kind of look. All right, watch this now. So he says what? Verse 17. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Watch this. He didn't just say know what the will of the Lord is. He said what? Understand it. To understand what the will of the Lord is. Because, because knowledge, yes, knowledge is, is awesome. Knowledge is something else. Boy, I tell you about knowledge. The Bible says that where there's knowledge, there's no destruction. Right? Because my people are destroyed for what? A lack of knowledge. That's Hosea 4, 6. And I believe it's Isaiah 5, 20, I believe, that says where there's no knowledge, there's captivity. So it tells me that a lack of knowledge or where there's no knowledge, the end result will be destruction and captivity. That's not a good thing. But watch this. What is knowledge? Knowledge is knowing something. That's what knowledge is. When you come into contact with information about something, you've come into some knowledge about something. Doesn't mean you understand what you found out, but you know it. See, you can know something, but you may not understand that which you know. And while knowledge does what? While knowledge does prevent captivity, while knowledge does prevent destruction, it is Jesus that said it, or it is recorded in the book of Luke, that Jesus opened the understanding of the disciples so that they could comprehend the scriptures. To understand the scriptures, their understanding had to be opened. That's way past knowledge. So he says what? We must understand what the will of God is. We must understand what the will of the Lord is. And when I understand what the will of the Lord is, I know what to give thanks to God about. I'm not thanking God for debt. I'm not doing it. You want to thank God for that? You go right ahead and thank God for that. If that's what floats your boat, if that's what turns you on, you thank God for all the debt that you can possibly think of and muster up. If that's what you want to do. I'm not thanking God for debt, but I will thank him for provision. As a matter of fact, I'll thank him for provision when I'm in debt. 
I'm not going to wait till the provision comes and then say, thank you, Father. No, in the debt, I'm going to say, thank you, Father, for you are Jehovah Jireh, the Lord, my provider. Faith folk don't wait until the thing happens. That's not faith. You act. To successfully be in faith as a believer, somebody's got to think you crazy. If you have yet to reach that point where somebody thinks you're crazy, then maybe it's, it was moderate faith, but you have not experienced great faith. Not until someone thinks you are out of your mind. Watch this now. Look at 1 Thessalonians. You guys still with me? You sure? Positive. All right. Mm. Let's start with let's start with verse let's start with verse twelve. First Thessalonians five. First Thessalonians five. We're gonna start with verse twelve. Now Romans told me what? Romans eight twenty eight said that all things work together and in another translation we got an awesome translation that said God causes all things to work together for our good really God is working on our behalf for our good that's what's going on and over in Ephesians I found out that I'm to give thanks to God for everything according to his will everything what according to his will because if it wasn't according to his will then his word would contradict itself or himself because of what we're about to read here in First Thessalonians. Fifth chapter, look at the 12th verse. It says, and we urge you, brethren, to do what? Recognize those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you. And to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake, be at peace among yourselves. Now, I'm going to say this with the utmost humility. There's not an arrogant bone in my body. All right, but I just read about myself. Okay. Verse 14. Now we exhort you, brethren, warn those who are unruly, comfort the faint-hearted, uphold the weak, be patient with all, see that no one renders evil for evil to anyone. Paul says, but always pursue what is good, both for yourselves and for all. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Here it comes. In everything give thanks. For this is the will of God. There it is. Notice that the giving thanks is associated with the will of God. Notice that the giving thanks is connected to the will of God. So what did I find out about what I give thanks for? I only give thanks for that which is according to his will. But this now doesn't say that I'm giving thanks for something. It's saying that I'm giving thanks in it. And when you understand the difference between the two, then bad times, good times, it doesn't matter. You still thank God. Why? Well, I don't know if you knew this, but he's still God. Right? Lack, prosperity. Broke, poor, rich, wealthy, he's still God. You understand? I thank him in my poverty. I thank him in my prosperity. Because he was God before, God during, God after. So in everything, it doesn't matter what it is. 
doesn't matter what it is. I'm not thanking God for it. I'm thanking God in it. So I think we've made a clear case for what's God and what's not. Are we still together? All right. Let's look at a few things in Scripture that are ordained of God. Things that are ordained of God. Number one, the gifts of Christ are ordained of God. What do I mean by the gifts of Christ? Ephesians 4.11, where the previous verses say that uh, he led captivity captive and he gave gifts unto men. And what were those gifts? The apostle, the prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. Those are the gifts that he gave unto men. And I'm here to tell you that those gifts, they're ordained. All right, you're not an apostle by accident, a, a pastor, just because you felt like it. No. Jeremiah 1.5. Go to Jeremiah 1.5. We know this verse, but let's look at it. Let's read it. Because I don't know if you know this, but one of the gifts of Christ that he gave unto men was the office of prophet. Watch this now, Jeremiah 1, 5 says, before, oh, oh, watch this now. See, God, God, God put himself on blast. God said, this is foreknowledge and ordination. Because he said before. That means you didn't exist yet. But, but, but even though you didn't exist yet, oh, watch this, hear how I say this. Even though you didn't exist yet, he doesn't know what you're going to become. Even though you don't exist yet, he knows what you are. Maybe I'm too heavy today. All right. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I... Yeah, 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 I set you apart. I ordained you a prophet. I ordained you a prophet. I, God, ordained you a prophet so he or she cannot tell you you're not one because I called you. I ordained you. Now what man, see, see here's what we're doing. We're, all we're doing is we're playing catch up with God. That's all we're doing. Ceremony for Apostle Price. That was two years ago, right? You think on that day, that Friday night, that's when it was established that? No, no, no. All men did was recognize what God had already performed, what he'd already ordained. We're just playing catch up. We're, we're, we're catching up with heaven. That's what prayer is. You know what prayer is, right? Here's my definition of prayer. This is what prayer is. Settling on earth what's already settled in heaven. That's, that's what prayer is. You're what? You're settling on earth what's already settled in heaven. You're, you're establishing on earth what's already established in heaven. So he says, what? Before you were born, I, I, what? I set you apart. I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. I what? Ordained. So if you're called to the office of prophet, if God called you, if, if Jesus called you, it's 
It's an ordained thing. Okay, look at Mark 3.14. So you have to understand something. I am like the Roman centurion in Matthew 8. I am a man who has soldiers under me. And I also am a man under authority. So I have, I have a, a, a pastor. I have a man of God that I report to. Mm-hmm. Y'all know who he is? Yeah. Yeah. He ordained me. What that tells me is that no one on a horizontal plane with me or a vertical plane heading south can take away this position of pastor because I was ordained and only he who ordained me can remove this which once again gifts are without repentance watch this now Mark 3 what did I say 14 watch this then he appointed 12 stop right there he what? He appointed them. Which means what? He ordained them. He ordained 12 that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach and to do thus and so. And he ordained them to quit when they're out of time. Remember these words from the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7. For we walk by faith, not by sight. All right. I hope you were enlightened by this message. If you have any questions or comments about this particular episode, please send your questions or comments to talkingbibletruth.cd at gmail.com or you can send me a direct message through my podcast by clicking on the message button located on the homepage of all my podcasts. Anchor, Spotify, Breaker, Google Podcast, and Radio Public to submit your remarks. You can also support my podcast financially by accessing the homepage on my podcast and clicking on the support this podcast button. Whatever you choose to donate will be greatly appreciated. I am praying for God to give you a return on your donation. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6, the Apostle Paul says, as it relates to sowing a seed, and I quote, But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Hallelujah. God will give you a return on your gift of love as long as you sow your seed in good ground with a cheerful heart. Now until next time, brothers and sisters, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We walk by faith, not by what we see. I am your host and teacher, Dr. Kamala D, rightly dividing the word of truth in peace and love. I thank each of you for tuning in, and I hope to see you next time.